We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Okay, well, we're going to be in Mark 10. Uh, I know it's been a little bit since we've been together. We had uh, 4th of July services, so we didn't meet. And then last week, we had the missions conference. Um, We had about 41 missionaries come in from all over the world uh, to, to meet you guys and then spent a week in kind of a conference, kind of retreat for those guys as we got to serve them. And so it's, it's been a little bit of time, so I just want to remind you what the context is, and then we'll get into the text. But if you want to start flipping back there, it's going to be uh, Mark 10, starting in verse 13. Uh, but just kind of a reminder of what we've been talking about, starting in chapter 9, we have the transfiguration, where Christ reveals the fullness of who he is to select a few. Then you had the healing of a possessed boy, his prediction of his death and resurrection, and the rest of Mark is looking forward to that, to his sacrifice, um, something that we'll get to celebrate later tonight with communion. And then uh, last time, uh, Mike walked us through Christ's teaching on divorce, looking at uh, the rules within the church and God's plan for marriage. But today, we're going to look at kind of a bigger chunk of Scripture, but it all has the same theme. We're going to be looking at chapter 10, verses 13 through 31, and looking at this contrast between the kingdom of God and the world. This whole section, all of these little pieces, are about these two things, the kingdom, kingdom of God, and the world. What kind of people are in the kingdom? What kind of people are of the world? What are the values of the kingdom or the values of the world? And so we're going to see first two examples, one example of people who are of the kingdom, then we'll see an example of a person who's of the world, then we're going to see two teachings, okay? Christ is going to teach on values of the world, he's going to look at wealth in particular, and then he's going to look at the values of the kingdom, okay? What makes up the kingdom? Who makes up the kingdom? What is the contrast and the difference between these two things, the kingdom of God and the world? All right, so everybody with me? Four things you're looking for. Two examples, two teachings of Christ, two points, okay? And we'll have them up on the screen. And to kind of give you some context, I almost called this sermon the upside down, okay? Are there any Stranger Things fans in here? Okay, one, okay, I'm talking to just one person then. Um, So in Stranger Things, there's this, the world, and then there's a inverse, a reverse world in the show. Okay, there's a lot of monsters and a bunch of other really stupid things that we're gonna skip over. But I want you to keep that context in mind that the kingdom of God upends your expectations. It is very different from the world. The values, the people, the things in it. Christ came to radically change everything, right? The people of God are very different than the people of the world. Everybody with me? Okay, so we'll talk about, as we go through here, a couple upside-down moments where Jesus specifically points something out to get your attention, that, hey, this is very different from what you expect being a person of the world and a person in the world, all right? Um, So let's get started. We'll start with verse 13 and our first example, the little children. So Mark 10, starting in verse 13. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them, verse 14. Then when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, permit the children to come to me, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. 
Then he took them in his arms and he began blessing them, laying his hands on them. So this is our first example, our first contrast. The people of the kingdom are like kids. They come humbly before God, all right? The word here, we're talking about like 12 and under probably kids. And so if you're 12 and under, do you really have anything special to offer Jesus? Maybe a really bad drawn thing to go up on the refrigerator, right? But nothing really to offer. And that is how you approach Christ. You just go humbly. You just go by faith. You are completely dependent on him, right? As children of God, we approach in faith and in, in, in dependence on him. Um, so the children are coming. People are bringing the children. The disciples rebuke them. Why? They just saw Jesus transfigured on the mount. They know what's going on. Well, they're still looking through worldly lenses. From a worldly perspective, are kids really worth the teacher's time? He's got three years of ministry. Is this the best investment in a 12-year-old? What do y'all think? From a, non from a worldly perspective, this is a waste. And so the disciples are thinking in that context, stop bothering the teacher, all right? If you were to approach Jesus' ministry from what kind of a worldly perspective, what kind of people would you go to? Guys with wealth, the guys with power, okay, the emperor, the Pharisees, the rulers, but that's not what his ministry was, was it? He had three years, and who does he invest it in? Okay, so yet again, this is that upside down. He's changing your perspective. He's changing your expectations. He's challenging what is important, okay? Who is important? Um, for Jesus, these guys are worth it. The kids are worth it. Bring them to me. He gets mad at the disciples, rebukes them, and says, no, 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 okay? The kingdom are for such as these. Bring the little children to me. Okay, like I said, this is our, our first upside down moment, that, that change of perspective, that reorienting their mind to spiritual and godly things, that it's not about your wealth, it's not about how powerful you are, it's not about the best strategy for winning the world or you know, using your time. Okay, you can read all the self-help books you, can, you want or leadership books, that's not what this is about. The kingdom is for such as these, okay? Um, we see this elsewhere. I mean, if you think of the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And if the disciples have been listening, he's been saying this all along, okay? You need to have an upside down perspective. Have a kingdom perspective, don't always think in that worldly business kind of mindset, what's the most powerful and the wealthy? Um, and of course, the key verse here, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter at all. Don't come to me with your resume, okay? Don't come with me with your degrees, don't come with your wealth, don't come with me with your you know, gifts or talents or those kind of things. Come to me like a child. Um, this verse is very impactful for me right now because I have a little 10-month-old kid and when he runs to me, like it breaks my heart, right? He just kind of waddles. He can't even walk yet. He just crawls as fast as he can when he sees dad. That's how it should be, okay? He's drooling the whole time, you know, and he's got something stuck on his forehead, but that doesn't matter, right? Okay, 
We approach Christ like a child. <clears throat> Run to the cross. Run to Christ, okay? And then notice in verse 16, this is really beautiful. He takes his arms and he blesses them. Not only does he accept them, he blesses them. That's the beauty of being in Christ, is that he gives far more abundantly than we can imagine. Who cares about our wealth or our prestige or our power? Okay, I'd much rather have the blessings of Christ than anything else. Okay. So that's, that's our first example. He's gonna contrast that with our second example, the one you're probably familiar with, the rich young ruler, starting in verse 17. <clears throat> and as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him, Christ, and asked, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? <clears throat> and Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. <clears throat> and he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. <clears throat> and then some of the saddest words that you see in the Bible. And at these words, he was saddened and went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. So in contrast to the kids, I mean, what did the kids have to offer? Nothing. What did this guy have to offer? I mean, he was powerful. He was wealthy. He had obeyed all the commandments. He was faithful. From the outward appearance, this is the guy you want, right? If you were planning the perfect ministry strategy, this would be the first guy you try to go recruit, all right? Even his approach here in the first verse makes you think, oh, hey, this is gonna get good, okay? He runs to Jesus, Okay, that sounds good, all right? Um, man ran up to him, verse 17, and knelt before him. So there's an outward appearance of obedience and faithfulness. And he asked him, so he asks a question. He wants to know, how do I have eternal life? So the disciples viewing this from that world mindset are thinking, hey, here's a great guy we can recruit, all right? But there's a problem, isn't there, with this guy? Even though everything on the outside looks great, there's an issue, there's a problem. There is something that Jesus is gonna press into <coughs> that will expose that this guy is not of us, right? He may look good on the outside, but there is something wrong inwardly, all right? Now, Mark's really gonna focus on the wealth. Matthew adds that he was young, and Luke uh, adds that he was a ruler, so this guy has everything. He's young, probably handsome, wealthy. He is probably a leader in the community or the synagogue. Okay, so yet again, he has what appears to be the perfect package. But let's kind of uh, open this up. I love how Jesus responds here. Why do you call me good? Right, so he's already touching on some issues here. Only God is good. So what is Jesus kind of hinting at there? You might have been right, but I don't know if you realize it, okay? Jesus is saying, hey, I am good because I'm God. We've already seen the transfiguration, right, back in chapter nine. So as you're reading this, you should realize that Jesus is kind of playing with the guy, 
okay? And, and seeing and testing him, like, is he honest? Is he true? And of course, he's God, so he knows, but uh, he's, he's testing this guy. And then he asks, have you followed the commandments? And he lists them, all right? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, et cetera, et cetera, on and on and on and on, okay? Um, notice these aren't all the commandments. Which commandments does he focus on? It's the ones where you relate to other people, right? He focuses on the second half of the commandments. He's testing to see how genuine this person has been. How have you treated others? Because if you haven't treated your brothers well, you're not of us, right? Uh, we will see if you are uh, truly um, good, okay? Uh, or do you fit more the category of the rest of us, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Notice also he changes one of the commandments. It's not do not covet. He says do not defraud. Why does he quote it that way? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, A couple commentators think, well, maybe because he's a wealthy landowner, he is testing to see if this guy has fallen into the normal sin of those kind of guys. Y'all remember Zacchaeus? who defrauded all kinds of people, right? And that's how he got all his wealth, all right? I think that's what he's doing here. He's trying to cut right to the core. Did you really follow all of the commandments? Did you treat my people well, all right? Or did you just accumulate wealth some other way? Um, Well, of course, the guy responds, I've kept this since my youth, all right? So it does seem, yet again, outwardly, this guy looks good on paper, that he has treated people well, he has a good reputation in the community, at least according to him. Of course, we all look good in our own eyes, right? Like, I'm the hero of my story, obviously. Um, I'm perfect. Uh, and, and so we don't know, but it seems like this was a genuinely good guy, but there's something that is keeping him from God. There is something that is holding him back from really being of the kingdom and remaining a part of the world. What is it? Well, Jesus presses in here in verse 21, all right? One thing you lack, verse 21, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor. What's holding him back from truly being a person of the kingdom? What is his heart set on instead of God? He values his wealth over everything else, right? So this is exposing that this man, although he gives lip service to being a follower of God, really cares more about the world and cares more about his wealth than he does about following God, all right? He cares more about keeping that prestige, that power, that wealth, that appearance of being of the kingdom than he does of actually being of the kingdom, all right? Verse 22, at these words he was sad and he went away grieving, all right? And I love how it just kind of ends in a cliffhanger. Um, it's very apparent he cares about his wealth more than anything. So it kind of echoes the thoughts of Isaiah 29, 13, because these people, this is the Lord speaking, draw near to me with their words and honor me with their lip service. They remove their hearts far from me and their reverence for me consists of tradition. Is that true of this guy? Is that true of us sometimes? You know, we go to church, we do our good things, we check off our list, 
but something else is between us and God, something else has a hold on our heart. It may be wealth, it may be something else, it may be job, it may be dreams, it may be independence. I want to choose my future, I don't wanna surrender to God. Um, I want to approach God with my resume and say, hey God, guess what I did for you, okay? Um, Lots of things can be idols in our hearts that are keeping us from being members of the kingdom and remaining in the world. Um, If you're a child of God, it's a little different, okay? Uh, But what in your life do you need to give up? What do you need to go sell, okay? What do you need to give up so that you can follow him? That's my big challenge for you guys in this section. Think about what it is that you need to give up, um, whether it's wealth, job, um, Instagram likes. Like, have y'all ever been addicted to, I know I'm mostly talking to some of the younger crowd, like, how come they didn't like my post? You know, there's all kinds of things that we set our hearts on that get in the way of, of ministry for God. And for this man, it's wealth, all right. And what's sad is this is probably a guy who if he was here in this room, you would like. He would probably be an elder in a church. He'd probably be a successful businessman, a good friend of yours, but something deep inside is keeping him from being a follower of Christ. And so what is it for you? Um, And how do we help others see what it is for them? Okay. Um, Okay, so that's a good example, a bad example. We have the kids who approach Christ humbly in faith with utter dependence on him. We have... The bad example, the ruler who's approaching with his pride and his wealth, okay, um, I've done everything, Lord, look at me. All right, so we have our two examples. Now Christ is gonna unpack that, okay? He's gonna start with the ruler and then he's gonna go back to the kingdom. So first point, the world's value wealth. He's gonna teach on wealth, starting in verse 23. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Outwardly, this guy looked perfect, right? And you're saying that it's easier for a camel to go to the eye of a needle than this guy being saved? Verse 27, looking at them, and this is such a beautiful verse, Jesus said, with people it's impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God, amen? Okay, so let's, let's break this down, this, this first little section, this first little point of his. Um, Wealth is a barrier to the kingdom. This is our second upside down moment, okay? The first one that the kingdom belongs to, such as these, the kids. The second one is that wealth is a barrier to uh, the kingdom. Your heart being set on something else is a barrier to the kingdom. For the disciples and for this culture, that was a shock. Notice the disciples were amazed. How can you say that? Now this is rooted in kind of, it's, it's coming out of an Old Testament idea where if you are faithful to God, he will bless you. And that's generally true. But that's only if they follow God. Has Israel followed God? Have any of us really followed God? 
In on our own selves, our own power, we can't do that. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's been broken. And so Jesus is flipping their expectation. Not only is wealth not a sign of being more religious, in fact, it's probably keeping them from being religious. And you should have in the back of your mind uh, like Paul's words in 1 Timothy. If we have food and covering with all these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish, harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Not only is he changing their expectation, just because someone's wealthy doesn't mean they're righteous. He goes further and says, That's in, it's a snare, okay? It's a temptation. It leads them to ruin. They're shooting themselves in the foot. Wealth is going to pull them away from the kingdom. That's a worldly value. That's a worldly thing to seek after. Now, there's nothing wrong with being wealth. Notice here Paul's clarifying, it's the love of money. But the wealthy you are, the more likely you are to fall into that trap. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's changing their whole mindset. He's uprooting their expectations. He's doing, he's flipping the tables and their expectations for what a holy person is. And he uses this beautiful image, right, that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. All right, how, how many people sew and have ever tried to get that thread through the eye of a needle? Like something a little small. I've tried on numerous occasions. I still have not accomplished getting that thing through there. Now, I'll try to imagine sticking a camel through that. It's impossible, right? Okay, it's impossible. You can't do that. And he uses this beautiful picture that all of them would know to show the impossibility of this being um, a reality, all right? But, but, with people it's impossible, but not with God. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't matter where you came from, what your background is, what sin you've done, what's happened, okay? Doesn't matter if you're a camel or an elephant or whatever, you gotta shove through that needle, God can do it and has through the sacrifice of his son, right? And it's, I'm so glad we're gonna practice communion later because God did it, all right? God did it. Um, so going back to the wealth thing, one of my favorite like early church guys was a guy named John Chrysostom. Um, his name means the golden mouth. Uh, he was so famous for his preaching ability that uh, they called him the golden mouth. Um, and he was the bishop of Constantinople during the Christian Roman Empire. So you know Constantine converted Christianity. Now the empire became Christian. And so when John Chrysostom got to Constantinople, the capital, all he saw was people pursuing wealth, power, and calling themselves Christians, right? Is that a problem? Those guys are of the world out of the kingdom. And so John, commenting on Matthew's version of this story, I wanted to read this to you because I think it's pretty powerful, his homily on the Matthew passage of the rich young ruler. For they that have little are not equally held in subjugation as they that are overflowed with great affluence. For then the love of it becomes tyrannical. Isn't that a beautiful picture? How much wealth is enough? All right. 
Think about the rich people in America. How much is enough? It's consuming. Um, Which thing I cease not saying, that the increase of acquisitions kindles the flame more and renders the getters poorer. No matter how much wealth you get, is that ever gonna make you happy? This young man who walks away sad that he has to give up his stuff, would his wealth ever make him happy? Not truly. That's just gonna bring more misery, more trap, more snare, more all kinds of stuff. Um, In so much as it puts them in greater desire and makes them more feeling of their want. The more they get, the more they want. Okay, stop seeking that. And you can exchange wealth for just about anything else. If your heart is not in God and is seeking out something else, you will never be happy. It will never satisfy. Okay. Um, And so Jesus is warning them here uh, and subverting their expectations. And then finally, uh, that last verse, 27, who can be saved? With people, it's impossible, but not with God. We are powerless on our own. We're completely dependent on God, like those kids running to him at the beginning. Um, but good news, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might, you will, okay? It's not you. It's not your power, your resume, your wealth, It's God, and amen. So we saw a good example, bad example, then he kind of unpacks the bad example and why that's problematic. We get this contrast between kingdom and the world. Now we're gonna go back to uh, looking at the kingdom, his second point, the kingdom's value. Uh, Verse 28 of Mark 10, Peter began to say to him, Jesus, behold, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Beautiful. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And that's our last upside down moment. Right? It's a direct connection here. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. From a worldly perspective, this ruler is the ideal person, but he's outside the kingdom. He is lost. These kids, the ones you thought were uh, irrelevant, the ones you tried to keep from me, they're the ones that are of the kingdom. Okay, The last shall be first and the first last. Uh, notice Peter actually gets something right here for a change, thank goodness. Um, we've left everything and followed you. Does following Jesus take sacrifice? Yes. Okay. He's picked up correctly that it takes sacrifice. And Jesus commends him and then starts to explain it. Um, family, okay, everything has to be given up for the sake of the gospel. We can't bring anything to God. We have to rely on him for everything. Um, notice also, though, it, there's blessings here. He said, if you follow me, you will be blessed, all right? The big thing is eternal life. Um, it doesn't matter how big your house is. It pales in comparison to the worth of eternal life. Um, relationship with God, okay? Um, although it comes with persecution. Did y'all notice that in there? Kind of just thrown out in the middle, uh, kind of just put out there. Is the Christian life easy? 
Is it going to take, are you going to be attacked? Sure. Is it going to take sacrifice? Yes. Okay. Uh, And so he mentions that here. And then we turn over the world again. Those that were first will be last and last first. Um, it's a good picture of this. It's, it's not a true story, but as a historian, like I don't let that get in the way of a good story. It's a, Tom Nelson likes to say, don't let the facts get in the way of a good illustration. So supposedly at the Battle of Yorktown, when the British surrendered and the American Revolution won, the band as they left played a song called The World Turned Upside Down. That this one event has changed everything for the world. Now, I think they were blowing that way out of proportion with the American Revolution. But with Christ, have we turned the world upside down? Yes. Okay, not us. God. Okay, let me be very clear. I want to make sure. Um, It is the upside down, right? It is radically different. There's a sharp contrast. Kingdom in the world. Things, your expectations should be reshaped by Christ and not the world. Okay? All right, to conclude, okay, some challenges, some thoughts, some last-minute things to think about, okay? What are you pursuing? What has a hold of your heart? Is there anything keeping you back from Christ like the rich young ruler? Is there anything that you've set your heart upon, whether it be wealth like him or something else, that is keeping you from pursuing Christ fully? Uh, Family, hobbies, dreams, um, whatever it is, okay, are you giving that up for God? Are you approaching him like a child? Which is our second thing. <clears throat> are you pursuing Christ like a child? Complete childlike faith and complete dependence on God. Okay. As Americans, and I'm in particular probably worse at this, we tend to want to approach God with you know, doing stuff for him, right? Uh, trying to impress him, trying to, uh, you know, God, I led five Bible studies this year, or, you know, I've gotten six degrees, or I've done this, that, and the other. No, okay, are you dependent on him? Are you dependent on your own skills, talents, background, abilities, accomplishments, okay? How are you following him? Are you doing it humbly? Uh, Are you giving up everything for God, like the disciples did, like Peter claimed that the disciples did? And are you looking at things through a kingdom lens? The disciples struggled with that in this passage, didn't they? Okay, when they saw the children come, what did they do? (laughs) Tried to stop them, okay? When the ruler came, what did they do? Like, Jesus, don't you like this guy? Why are you saying he can't get into the kingdom? Okay, our perspective, our looking at the world should change because we are Christians. How we view other people, okay, how we interact with other people. People should look at us and notice something different in us. When we see other people, we should be looking for kingdom things and not worldly things. Not, hey, show me your checkbook, okay, your bank account, all right, but are you following God? Do you have the fruits of the Spirit? Are you, like a child, approaching God uh, in the correct way, or uh, are we viewing it through worldly standards, okay? Um, so yet again, going back to my analogy, the, the upside down, it's, the show is called Stranger Things. Are we stranger things in the world? When people look at us, are they confused by the way we interact with others, the love that we show one another, um, the values that we have that are different from the world, okay? When people see us, do they see something 
different, all right? Um, and then, of course, the key verse. We're not going to do it on our own. With people, it's impossible, but not with God, okay? It's God who works in us, helps us. You're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. Uh, I was joking with my wife on the wealth thing, you know, you don't have to be wealthy to be controlled by wealth. And I had a moment of that today, this morning, actually. Her mom gave her a purse that she never uses. And inside was a ton of money that was just kind of loose that she had forgotten about. And so like in my, in my pride and in my worldly thought, I'm like, hey, she gave that to you, right? But that's our money, okay? But if I'm truly following God, it's not, right? It's not my money. And we have to give it back, okay? As much as I want to keep that. <clears throat> extra money, um, it's not mine. I can't be controlled by that, okay? No matter how much possessions you have, you can't be controlled by wealth, you can't be controlled by anything. You have to run to God. So the last thing we're gonna do tonight is, is celebrate communion. Um, this is the sacrifice that Christ made so that we can approach him. All of us are sinners, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us deserve his wrath. But, good news, Christ came in our place. He was sacrificed for us. He took our sins upon himself. And so if we believe in him, we can be saved. And every third Sunday, we celebrate that with communion. So if you didn't grab one of these, go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, Steve Johnson's gonna come around and, and pass out a few. And we're just gonna take a few minutes here at the end of the service to remember our Lord and remember his sacrifice for us so that camels can go through eyes of needles, right? So that uh, sinners can be saved. Um, and while those guys are passing out, please keep your hand up as they pass them out. I just wanna cover some kind of preliminary stuff and some reminders of what communion is and who takes of communion, okay? This is the memorial, the remembrance of Christ's sacrifice. It is the way the church remembers his sacrifice. So I encourage you, if you are not a Christian, not a baptized believer in good standing with the church, um, just pray with us, all right? Just come talk to me afterward. But this is the way that the church community, the family remembers Christ. And so, um, please only participate if you're in good standing. Uh, second, there's a way to approach communion. And we, we don't always uh, have time to talk about this, but I had a few extra times, so I wanna uh, cover this. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 and 28, therefore whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself and doing so is to eat the bread and drink of the cup. So, for those that are Christians that are gonna participate, I want you to take a few minutes and just pray to confess, to get right with God. If there's something you, that's holding you back that your heart is set on that you need to confess, okay? Um, pray with me as we, as we confess that and as uh, Tony comes up to play, and then we'll, we'll celebrate communion. So let me pray for us. Pray at your uh, table and prepare yourself for communion. Lord, we just thank you for this passage in Mark 10 and the reminder of the differences of the kingdom of God and, and the world, Lord. And I just pray that we are setting our hearts upon you, that we are approaching you correctly, that we are confessing um, the things that are holding us back, the sins that we're holding on to, Lord. And I pray that we are 
surrendering all to follow you, Lord. Lord, I pray for those here that may not know you, that they'll come and talk to me or Steve or Mike, Lord, so we can just walk them through the gospel, that there is good news, that it's not your reputation, it's not your resume, it's not anything based on our actions, Lord, but it's everything based on what Christ has done. And so, Lord, I just pray for this time as we remember Christ's sacrifice, and I pray um, that we just leave today devoted to you and more closer to you, your name, amen.